1: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today on the podcast, we're talking with the coach, Harvey Hyde, about USC's 38-27 victory over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, sweeping the rival schools at the end of the season and finishing 11-1. Today is the anniversary of the day that USC hired Lincoln-Riley. Pretty crazy. One year ago today, it was announced that Lincoln-Riley was leaving Oklahoma and coming to USC. So much has happened in the last 365 days. So we're kind of get a little recap with the coach of all that that's been going on. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have uh, the podcasting app of your choice, if they have the ability to leave us a rating, a five-star rating is awesome. That does help to grow the show, or... Some kind of review, comments, feedback, suggestions, anything you put up there. It uh, really helps to let other people know and tell your friends. If you're a you know, water cooler at work today and you're like, man, that was a great USC-Notre Dame game, you should hear Coach Hyde and Ryan talking about this on the Peristyle Podcast. That does help as well. But we are going to start talking about all of that in the one-year anniversary of Lincoln-Riley being hired. Big deal. Mike Bone, Brandon Sosna uh, doing that a year ago. What a difference a year makes, Coach, from 4-8 and eight to 11-1. and one.
2: It certainly is, uh, and I'll tell you what the excitement is all about, Ryan, too. The excitement is this is what's expected in Southern California when USC has a great football program and is the face of the Pac-12. UCLA across town also had a great football program, ended up 9-3. and three. The national exposure Southern California got for both programs as far as recruiting, USC back-to-back national uh, viewerships as far as prime time, it's such a great feeling to see the traveler, the horse coming out of the field, the band playing, the crowd excited, tailgating going on, people leaving the Coliseum excited and happy and going forward uh, and, and completing a great Thanksgiving weekend. This is what it's been in the past, way past, and this is what and the way it should be. And if you look at it now, if this was several years ago, there wouldn't have been a championship game the rose bowl would have been decided yesterday at the tournament of rose's house there would have been a ceremony inviting michigan from the big 10 and usc from the pac 12 to play in the rose bowl on january the 2nd now when you look at that how much better could that have been a rivalry like that Now, of course, they've got to go to the championship game of the Pac-12, and who knows, uh, the playoffs and whatever else is out there for USC and these other teams. But what a great football season it has been for the Trojans, especially the last two weeks before a national televised game, a candidate for the Heisman Trophy. The alumni all fired up in the setting of the Coliseum. That's what it's all about. And now the people that probably have never experienced that tradition knows what it's all about.
1: Yeah, there's some uh, new fans that maybe weren't around for the Pete Carroll era. That's This is about as close as you can get to how it felt back then. So give you a, a better idea of what it was like, you know, early, mid-2000s for sure. And, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of stuff there with, you know, Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy and all that. But let's get to the game first because, you know, it's important, I think, a lot of people, you got to look at these results, you know, and um, you needed a result against UCLA. It was a hard fought game, instant classic. Love talking about it. USC gets the win, 48 45. This one at home, USC was a little bit more in control. And uh, I think, I feel like they took some of the talk personally, coach, about the USC not being um, as physical as Notre Dame and Uh, I know, you know, people were talking about Notre Dame going to run for a million yards and all this stuff. Well, USC held Notre Dame to 90 rushing yards. Drew Pine, you know, had a great day throwing the ball for Notre Dame. He's not known for that, similar to what, you know, Jack uh, um, Plummer did uh, for Cal against USC. But you took away the best, you know, you, you took away the fastball of Notre Dame, which was ground and pound, run the football. And USC pretty much took that away. So. Uh, whatever you want to start in the game, Maybe we'll start with the defensive side and what USC was able to do there, kind of limiting what Notre Dame could do, what they wanted to do offensively.
2: Well, they did the same thing against UCLA. You've got to take away the run of the uh, things that are the heart and soul of both there uh, above UCLA and USC, and that's the running game. And they did uh, do that consistently and force them to do other things that they aren't really used to doing at Notre Dame. They want to run the football. They want to dominate the football game, and they uh, got up there in front and box that and, uh, and and stopped the run. Uh, they could have done a little better job, but they played hard, and this is one thing that they do on defense. They play hard. Unfortunately, the passing game, uh, uh, they didn't really do the job. You knew they were going to throw the ball to Myers. or tight end. You know that's where it's going and uh, maybe they could have manned up on him more with Bullock, uh, a guy a little bit bigger, and played a corner-two, double-team him, or a linebacker who tried to work with him and make them throw to the receivers outside, which isn't the strength of their passing game, but they did enough. And in the first half, Notre Dame uh, was not prepared for the quickness and speed of USC. You can demonstrate it. You can work on it, but you can't adjust to it until you see it. And that's what they did as far as how hard they played. And then again, I looked at two Notre Dame closely on who they'd really beat. The ACC is not the same ACC it's been. I mean, Syracuse, North Carolina had been beaten. Clemson's been beaten a couple of times. And, uh, you know, Marshall, and they played Ohio State pretty good, but Ohio State early in the year, uh, who knows how good they are? And then again, Stanford beating Notre Dame. So it came down that if USC brought their game on defense and USC was able to demonstrate their offense the way they are with their quickness and explosiveness, that if they got ahead of Notre Dame, they would force them to do things that they don't want to do, and that's what they did. Because if you look in the second half, USC defensively. Since we're talking defensively, we really had a tough time slowing down Notre Dame. They really did. They had that. Uh, they had two turnovers when they needed them, or possibly Notre Dame would have scored. So, uh, but they uh, hung in there and got it done. And we call it here every Monday turnover defense. And again, the turnover defense got it done for them, and they did just enough to allow the offense to outscore. Notre Dame, and that's what it's all about—not the statistics, but the score. And USC did that.
1: They did, and uh, the, speaking of the offensive side of the ball, um, another—it wasn't a classic like Caleb Williams throw for 320 yards or whatever like that. Um, but this was just a special performance, mostly with him showing his mobility, some of the spins, uh, you know, just just running around like it was like a video game. And I don't know if there was, you know, people talk about the Heisman moments. Um, he's thrust himself into the forefront. He's the the clear favorite. I mean, one of the, I, I saw one betting site this morning. It was like, he was like minus 2,500 or something like that. And um, clearly the number one choice to win the Heisman trophy. But he would, you know, just the way he was able to escape pressure, really frustrate, you know, the, the Notre Dame defense. Uh, they got him a couple of times, but for the most part he was able to get away find someone downfield take off and run himself um just was special he would not he was willing himself to not you know he did not want the play to die and uh it was a, it was pretty impressive but i wanted to get your thoughts on his performance and uh and you know potentially winning the Heisman trophy
2: well first of all i think he has fun uh demonstrating all those moves and running around that he does and i think a lot of it now he's doing for fun and showing off His abilities, I I really do, it's not necessary to do some of the things he's doing, but he's having a lot of fun. But what they've done with this, they've stretched the field and made it almost impossible, very difficult for a team to defense them. All the time you hear me talking about stretching the field, stretching the field, running counters, running reverses, doing things that uh, the defense is forced to cover the entire field and you can't do it all at speed. And they start off with two reverses and so on. They got a little bit too cute in throwing that pass to Caleb Williams. You don't need to do that. But then again, when he, uh, you've heard me talk about the one-back offense and the quarterback having to be an athletic quarterback to run that offense. And and he does that, the way he read the defense and pulled the ball off and ran the ball into the end zone. It's almost uh, impossible to stop all of that. And uh, I think that's what they're starting to uh, believe in now. I think they believe in the run now at USC. At the beginning of the season, they didn't believe in the run. I don't care what anybody says. They might have talked about it. But now they're running the football. They can even run it a little bit more. And I think that uh, the addition now of Austin Jones, uh, James, uh, what a great back he's turned into. And good things happen to people when it happens. He ran hard. And. And he was tough to stop, and the running game was there, and the keep was there, and the passes were there, and it made it all happen. I think the utilizing of the tight end could be more involved in the game. They're not utilizing the tight end as much as they could as far as the middle of the field. Uh, Basically, like Notre Dame does Myers, they've got receivers that uh, are tight ends that can catch the football and outsize the defensive backs. So that's for them to do I mean they're do they're averaging forty points a game plus so that's not for me to say they're not doing it right. But when you start to put it all together and you utilize all your your tools that you have, it's a very difficult thing to stop u s c now because Caleb Williams is putting on his show with his feet keeping the football, they're spreading the field, they're stretching the field. And believe me, it's one receiver after the next. You don't know which one. They can't believe it's, 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 uh, Jackson. It's, it's, uh, Washington. It's Williams. It's, it's, uh, Addison. It's Ford. It's, it just, they just keep coming. And it's very difficult for a defensive back to get a feel, an actual feeling that these guys they are playing against, because they all have different skills and different moves. So it's just really uh, it's uh, it's really nice to watch. It's great to see it, see the performance, uh, and uh, watch it happen. I, like I said on a lot of shows I did, I didn't know Patrick Mahomes was in L.A., but he was in L.A. on Saturday night again. He's been in L.A., Southern California the last two weeks when uh, they beat UCLA and they beat Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, that's the comp that people get, um, uh, you know, with him you know being like a lot like Patrick Mahomes I don't know how fair that is uh but it's I mean you can see some similarities in some of the things that he does I mean obviously Patrick Mahomes is a unique talent but so is uh Caleb Williams probably unique in in some different ways but man he's been absolutely special I'm a Heisman voter he's definitely got my number one vote we can vote for three I just got my ballot in the uh email box this morning. And uh, if you don't know, close uh, the ballots will close. The voting closes uh, December 5th. So this will be after the PAC 12 championship games. And then a few days later, they'll have the, uh, the ceremony and stuff, but uh, you know, barring some sort of collapse in the PAC 12 championship game, uh, this looks like it's Caleb Williams to lose coach.
2: Uh, And I agree with you there. Uh, It's for, he's, he's done what he needs to do on national television. Right now, everybody's talking about him. You even even I'm talking about on NFL shows. I mean, uh, it's his, uh, it's his to lose. And I think going up and playing against the University of Utah, on another Friday night national televised game. Uh, again, if he demonstrates who he is and what they do, and the Chosen put on a uh, a good performance in that game, I I don't think he they have to win the game for him to win the Heisman Trophy but as long as he performs and shows who he is, I think he's the number one guy.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you there coach. Uh, But we will see. And speaking of uh, Friday night in Las Vegas, you get a rematch against the Utes. Uh, I know a lot of people were sort of confused. There ends up being USC goes eight and one in conference play. So they make the Pac-12 championship game, the home team, the number one seed, if you want to call it that. And then for second place in the, team that USC would play, you had a three-way tie, Utah, Oregon, and Washington. But the weird tiebreakers, um, how that all played out, Utah ends up getting the the tie. And it, it came down to the Apple Cup, which people are watching Washington play. But they weren't playing for themselves. They were already eliminated because Cal lost. So weird things that the, the Cal-UCLA game was mattering more for Washington than their game in the Apple Cup. But you know that's just the way the Pac-12 tiebreakers played out. USC gets Utah again. Uh, Tavion Thomas, the running back, hurt his toe in the Colorado game. He's decided to declare for the NFL draft, so top running back out. I think there's going to be a fairly limited um, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end that went absolutely crazy against USC. I don't know how healthy Cam Rising is. He looked better in Colorado, but we don't to see him a lot. Uh, will he be able to be the that dy- that dynamic runner that we saw when they played in Salt Lake City? Um, I would say just looking at the teams that USC is in a better spot than when they were in Salt Lake City and then Utah might be in a slight worse spot than they were then. I don't know if you feel that way and and what you feel about this game. I think the last I looked, USC comes in as a three-point favorite on the neutral field. And I was in Vegas last year, Coach. It was not a neutral field. This was like a Utah home game. There was way more Utah fans than Oregon fans. I'm not saying that's going to happen this Friday. Hopefully USC fans get out there but just kind of get your overall thoughts on USC playing Utah for the Pac-12 championship game.
2: Well, USC is a different football team now than they were when they played at Salt Lake City early in the season. USC has come together as a football program. They've come together to know each other, love each other, understand what they've all gone to through to get to this position. Utah is a football team that had 75 players back that, won the Pac-12 last year and played in the Rose Bowl. And they played USC at home early in the season. So they were more of a alumni type of football team that had won a lot and had USC at home and a crazy crowd and all this and that. And USC, uh, uh, big road game, first big road game, first big, big game for Coastal Lake and Riley and the USC Trojans. And uh, now USC has a lot of momentum going right now. Uh, they're on a roll with UCLA and Notre Dame. And me, as a football coach, says to my football team, guys, let's don't screw it up. We're in a position now where we can do something that nobody thought we could do. Let's do it. Let's get it done. We're all business. we got one less day. Let's go up there. It's Las Vegas. But let's pretend it's in our backyard. We don't care where we're playing it. we just got to play this game no matter where it is, even if it's on the moon. And you go up there and you play this football game. Now, when they played in Salt Lake City, Kincaid had a crazy game, 15 catches or 16 catches. They had an opportunity to play against UCLA's tied in, and also... Notre Dame's tight end, they should get a better idea on how to play Utah's tight end with a different type of combination than what they did before, take away the run, and be able to, to remember Rising, Kevin Rising had, I would say, his best game when they played USC at Salt Lake City. I mean, he was unbelievable the way he played on the keeps and the passing game and the play action passes. Yet it came down to the last play and they lost by one point. So I would think to me, I got more to gain if I'm USC. I got more to gain. Not that Utah doesn't have a lot to gain and they're a great football program, but it's not hard for me to give a fire up talk starting today or whatever it's going to be as far as where we are and who we are and where we can go with this one more victory, four more quarters that we earned a gift. And I think that's the whole difference in this game as far as from the first time they played and the second time they're playing now, Ryan.
1: No, I agree with you coach. And it just seems like there's momentum on one side and not as much on the other. Um, But it's, you know, It's called football. It's like you said, 60 minutes. We could come in there and maybe Cam Rising has his, you know, another amazing game and maybe Kincaid is healthy and torches USC again. But it seemed like a lot of stuff had to go right. It was the emotional night where, uh, you know, honoring the two fallen football players for Utah and all of that stuff. I mean, there was a lot and it took a one point. It was a one point game at the very end, you know, and. Is it gonna be that way in Vegas? It just seems like a lot of things would have to fall Utah's way for this to to go like that. But uh, you know, we'll see. That's why they play the games. I mean, anything could happen. We get there and you cut Utah, Utah could just play like an amazing game and USC lays an egg, you know, and and but my gut is that's not gonna be the case. That USC comes out, does their thing, um, doesn't turn the ball over, scores a bunch of points, limits some of what Utah can do offensively. They're gonna have some big success in other aspects of the game, but uh, I just don't, I think similar to what Notre Dame was, I think it'll be kind of like that, where just USC sort of has the lead and you just kind of kind of keep Utah at bay and gets there. And if USC does take care of business, coach, uh, you know, I think even a week or two ago, we were talking about, well, maybe USC can make the playoff. And a lot of people weren't really believing it. Things sort of happened. Now it's at a point where USC's—I mean, it's be a, almost, almost impossible to imagine USC not being in if they win the game, you know, Ohio state falling out, uh, CJ Stroud sort of like falling behind Caleb Williams in the Heisman race. All that was a, a big deal. And that, that happening, but coach, I'm even hearing national pundits talking about looking at this USC team. And if they lose still potentially making it into the playoff, like why wouldn't you have this USC team that goes to the conference championship game ahead of like an Ohio state that didn't go to theirs. Um, so there's even talk now that USC could make the playoff if they lose, but, it's pretty far cry from what we've seen uh, in the last couple of weeks, but it's sort of just played out that way. And now USC has an opportunity to go to the college football playoff on the, you know, the one year anniversary of Lincoln Riley being hired West for, for us to be talking about this uh, is pretty crazy coach.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. It's It's uh, something that a lot of people wouldn't expect. Uh, and it's something I think that surprises all of them. That this is a possibility When you consider all the things that had to happen to have this fall in place, really, I mean, Caleb Williams hadn't missed a play. I mean, uh, he's been very fortunate. He's been healthy. When you look at all the good things that have happened with the program, and they've won some close football games, and things have gone their way. I mean, with turnovers and, you know, the Oregon State game, we can go back and look at them all. But uh, I tell you, you have to be uh, lucky as well as good, Ryan. to to be able to win 11 games or 12 games. you got to have things going your way, and sometimes things just go your way. And right now, currently, things are going USC's way, and they've got to continue making their breaks and continue making their good luck and, and creating turnovers. And when they get in the red zone, that's the only thing I don't like what they're doing right now. They're not taking advantage of all the possible scores they could get in the red zone. Yes, they're kicking field goals, but they can separate themselves from the other teams with touchdowns rather than field goals. And this is something that they need to really work on. Not not that they're not trying to score, but I think, again, they got to have a little bit more confidence down there in the running game. They threw the ball three times and then kicked a field goal. The running game is really developing. They have pride in it, the offensive linemen and the running backs. Uh, The yards they're getting after the first tackle or hit are unbelievable. So continue that. Continue with Caleb Williams running the football. There's nothing to save it for. It's it's all out on the line. So uh, you know, as far as them making the playoffs, if they lose another game, I don't think that'll happen. I think an Alabama will slide in there, or somebody else will slide in there. You got to win this game to make the playoffs. Okay, you, you got to win this game, and you can't hope for something else to happen. And maybe this happens, and that we get in. Uh, you got to win this game. I just say uh, while it's on the line, you can't be too tight. You just got to go out and continue with the same momentum and action and playing that you've been doing and things will work out. And, uh, you hope that, uh, uh, you can win this football game right now. Uh, thinking this early in the week without knowing the injury report and everything else, as far as with Utah and USC, I would agree with the odds makers as far as making USC a favorite.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, Three point favorite probably about right. I would say it on tunnel vision last night. I think the early line was like USC by like one or one and a half. Um, I felt maybe like four, five, six would be the kind of range. But you know, field goal. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's one I would take. I'm 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 pretty bullish on USC in this one. You know, and that might change as the week goes on. And I kind of learn more about where Utah was. But I know USC got pretty beat up after that Utah game, and Utah was as well. And then they play Oregon. I think you're going to, you know, similar kind of thing where you're getting beat up a little bit. USC has been able to lick their wounds and recover from that. Getting Eric Gentry back was huge against Notre Dame. um, You know, he just brings so much energy out there. Obviously, Jordan Addison coming back against UCLA was enormous and didn't have as big of a game against Notre Dame. But just him being available is a big deal. Mario Williams now being back. Um, They're a lot healthier than they were right after that. Utah game. I'm not sure Utah is, so that's going to be one of the factors as well. Um, Why don't we take a quick break, coach? We'll come back. we got a bunch of questions, so we'll get to those. Back in a minute.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
1: All right, we're back here on the Parasol podcast, Ryan Abraham talking with the coach, Harvey High. Just let everyone know, uh today is our final day of the 75% off annual sale over at uscfootball.com. Don't miss it. Uh if you're listening to the show before uh midnight on Monday, jump in there if you're not a member already. 75% off. It is a great deal. Plus you get Paramount Plus after the promotion, which is free. That's basically about the same price and you just get it for free, all the streaming stuff, uh which is great. So if you're you're cord cutter uh like me and you want an extra uh, streaming service there's a lot of cool content you can uh definitely use that and we are going to have a meetup on thursday night looks like it's going to start about 6 p.m uh park mgm hotel and casino in las vegas the bet mgm sportsbook and bar is where we're going to go so around 6 p.m uh we'll have representation from jockey there uh they help sponsor the pac 12 podcast and uh, the Pac-12 in general, and then it's Trader Joe's, one of our sponsors here at the Peristall Podcast. They will be there. So it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, if you can come out, uh, Bet MGM Sportsbook and Bar around 6 p.m. on Thursday in Las Vegas. Hope to see you then. All right, Coach, we got a voicemail for you. I'm going to play it and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, Hyatt. Curtis from Moreno Valley.
2: You know, all the um, the media said that Notre Dame was – really strong on offensive and defensive line, much more big, bigger, and talented than our uh, lines on both sides. But we dominated them. Remember, Coach Harvey Hyde said that we have a talent problem on the front, defensive fronts. Well, this must prove that we have a hell of a coaching staff because they are overperforming with what they have. This is a very, very cool season. Fight on go Trojans. Well, I agree. You've heard me every week tell you how hard they play on the defensive side of the football. They're really playing. There's nothing more than a hundred percent, but they're giving it every play, and they're going all out and I see that and uh there's always a lot of people around the football. they got a lot of pride. Uh, they know what people are saying. And uh, they're trying to overcome that, okay? And I don't blame them a bit, because that's what pride's all about, Put the coaching staff down. And I think that's one reason that motivates them as far as playing above their level of what their their capacity is. And they're doing that, and that's why they're successful, and that's why they're creating turnovers and so on, because they're, with the, they're at the right spot at the right time. And uh, and And I agree, they do have a hell of a... Uh, a defensive line coach. I think he's doing one hell of a job. He's got the respect to the players. He's played himself, so when he talks to them, they listen. And I think on the offensive side, I think Ensign's done a tremendous job with the offensive line. When you watch them, it's not like Caleb doesn't have time to throw the football. I mean, these guys are big. They take the proper steps. They're right in front of the guy. I like the way they take away The angles as far as the quarterback, now occasionally they'll miss an assignment or get turned around or they'll blitz by them as far as a corner blitz or somebody coming up the middle. That happens to everybody. But everybody's trying to do their job, and they're doing a good job. And Caleb, to be honest with you, is taking a little bit too long trying to look at the field, and the receivers aren't really reacting to him having this much time and trying to come back to the open areas, or dumping off to a back, or have the tight end uh, find the open area where he has somebody to throw the football to. So he starts his uh, magic, and runs around and so on, and then makes something happen, or he runs a football for a first down or whatever. But I think the offensive line has turned out far better than what I ever expected it or anyone else did. I think the combination of the way they're playing Askins and running and moving him down to guard with murphy coming in i think murphy where'd he come from kid's doing a great job i'm watching him play as a young player so when you look at everything in there the combinations of what they've done as far as with this football team and and brought them along i think it's been a uh, miraculous job i i really do and i give them a lot of credit because you know uh, you gotta have athletes, to coach. You gotta have people with the right attitude to coach. And these guys have come to, peace, uh, to USC for a reason. They all committed to come there to do this to make it happen. They left a lot of them left other universities to see this happen. It's a dream come true for them. So there's a there's a lot of incentives for this USC football team and coaches. So, uh, you know, you just continue to beat the drum and you continue to play hard and you hope good things happen.
1: Yeah. Our coach, our friend, Sir Eric of Troy, sent us a text message. He says, Ryan, you're my man, but I have to gr- disagree with you this time. I think the rematch with Utah and the Pac-12 championship game is a much bigger deal than playing Oregon would have been. Rematch like Ollie Frazier, like Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed. That's fictional, by the way. Uh, you mentioned that Oregon would be the best because of head-to-head recruiting. Well... We are in that ship. The ducks are not. Enough said. Uh still your buddy and the still your buddy though, and still love what you do for USC football fans, Sir Eric of Troy. Quick comment, Sir Eric of Troy. So you no, know, Oregon's been beating USC for those uh offensive linemen. They've been getting those winning those recruiting battles. Now we'll see that, you know, it can certainly change just by USC leaving the conference and maybe that you know, Oregon's not going to get the same opportunities, but this is the team that's been beating you head to head for those guys. I think it's a better opportunity to play a team like Oregon. To be honest, right now it'd be better to play Washington because they got the high-powered offense, and um, you know they're ten and two right now. So it would look even better uh, than a nine and three Utah team that lost to uh, Florida to start the season. Um, I think it's good to get the revenge, but I still I think I would rather USC play the teams that they haven't played yet, uh, Washington or in Oregon. It's all kind of moot because. You know USC is going to make the playoff if they win, so it didn't matter who they play. But any thoughts on that, coach? If you would have preferred, you know, one team or another?
2: Well, uh, I saw Washington play UCLA, and UCLA beat Washington pretty handily. Now Washington's really a well-coached team, and uh, and they you know, they. Yeah, I would have liked to seen them play Washington. I think they could be Washington. I think Washington is not as physical as what Utah is. Uh, I think they could outscore Washington. Uh, uh, as, as far as Oregon is concerned, it's how how is how's Bo Nix playing? Is he on or not on? If he's really on uh, like he has been at, uh, in some games, yeah, they're pretty good. But then I watch Oregon State beat up on them, come back and beat them. It's almost like uh, overconfidence in the second half. Oregon State, good football team, came back and drove the football right down their throat. Okay? So uh, I'm not saying that USC couldn't do the same thing. Uh, but oh, I think it's a good fit to play Utah. Uh, it's a lot more excitement. Uh, here's a chance for you to get even. You're only blemish on your record the entire year. They're from your division. You're going to settle it, you know. Uh, you bring your lunch pail, and I'll bring my lunch pail, and we'll just find out what's going to happen here. And I I think it's exciting to play a team that played in the Rose Bowl last year, a team that uh, almost beat Ohio State. Uh, I think it's going to be exciting to play them in a neutral site. And uh, it's a chance to get even. Uh, Not that those other teams aren't good football teams, but uh, I'm not saying which one I'd rather play. I'm just saying I'm ready to play any of them to get done what we need to do. So, uh, you gotta, everybody has their strengths and everybody has their weaknesses and who knows what the injury reports are and all this and that. But I think USC will do some things differently against Utah than what they did before. And Utah will probably do some things differently that they did before USC before. So I think it's an exciting game. That's why we're talking about it. And it doesn't make any difference who you play. It's just, uh, Uh, you've got to go there with a game plan and execute it and don't beat yourself. And what happens, sometimes teams try too much and they beat themselves. They try to do it all as far as throw the ball too much or throw the ball into coverages or this or that instead of letting yourself just be who you are. And I think that's one thing USC has to learn to do is be who you are utilize all of your talent that you have, your running game now. I think you're more of a believer in it. I think Coach Lincoln Riley's more of a believer in it. He's seeing it actually work, and it's really making them a better football team. So we'll see what happens. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to kick back at 5 o'clock on Friday and uh, watch this contest. It really is going to be not that I won't be nervous like you all will be, But I think it's going to be a great football game, and this is what college football is all about.
1: Yeah, 100%. We got uh, Uncle Bill wrote – he had a few questions for us. He says, long-time listener, first-time write-in. He says, I hope you can answer these three questions. So first he wants to know, for you, Coach Hyde, is Caleb Williams the best USC quarterback you've seen? And please compare and contrast Caleb Williams to your guy, Randall Cunningham. He punted a couple times in the game, which I remember you talking about Randall Cunningham being a punter. Uh, He has USC's longest punt of the season, 58 yards. But – um, any any thoughts on the comparisons there?
2: Uh, they're very similar. They're very similar. Randall is taller and bigger. Has you know, his longer arms and longer legs and so on. Uh, he was a you know all American punter. Uh, he actually was our punter, and was the punter for the Eagles too. Uh, they're very similar. Uh, uh, Randall. Uh, you know, made things happen, and uh, no, he wasn't being considered for the Heisman Trophy, but he, he did be, he was our player of the year in our conference, and East-West Shrine game, and we went to the, oh, he was in the East-West Shrine game, and then I coached the uh, Hula Bowl, and we went over there, and he was in the same team, we played against Doug Flutie, and uh I forget who the other quarterback was, and Randall was uh, our quarterback, and I mean, really, I'm going to be honest with you, and this is not, those other guys didn't want to practice when the pro scouts were there and Randall was out there, it was Randall would go down and screw around and punt the ball 70 yards, and then he'd go over and throw the ball 80 yards, and, uh, you know, it's called fast pig, and he did the same thing in the NFL, he didn't slide, guys, today they slide, Randall would jump and sail through the air, and Somehow try to find the end zone. And I tried to discourage that with him. But, you know, he's that type of guy. We told him to throw first, run second, like you normally do. But he was quite the player and proved that in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. And he also wanted to know, was well, he the best quarterback you've ever seen from USC?
2: Uh, different types. All right. Different offenses. Different types. Matt Lannard, two back sets. Lindell White, or... Reggie Bush, and they didn't really have Matt run the football. Carson didn't run the football. Uh, different types, okay? Different types, different offenses. So I can't compare them as the best quarterback I've ever seen at USC, but one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic quarterback at USC. Yeah.
1: Uh, second one, there was a question for me. Should uh, we be worried that USC's offense seems to stall at the end of games instead of putting away the game? having both the UCLA and Notre Dame games uh, when the offense uh, has a lead on a drive near the end of the game and couldn't put the game away, but ending up having to punt quick kick. In both cases, the defense came in to save the day. No, I mean, I, I mean, you can't score every single time. I mean, there's, you know, was it two punts? in the you know, two punts a game, I don't think that's terrible. Like, uh, so I wouldn't worry about that um, too much. And he said, questions for both. Ryan famously has always said that if USC just needs to hire a competent coach, then USC will do well. Do you still believe this? I mean, it's proven today. This is one year since you hired Lincoln Riley. It seems that the coaching floor has been raised really high, so much so that it's harder to separate uh, at the top to have a consistent college football playoff contender. There aren't many coaches that can do it because it requires an extraordinary individual who needs to be capable in so many things like X's and O's, games management, star player recruitment, star assistant coaching recruitment, alumni relations, NCAA compliance, delegate responsibility, stable family life, maturity, etc. Uh, Thanks for, thanks. And being a premium member is great. Uncle Bill and parts unknown. And real quick, I think, you know, Lincoln Riley was a grand slam. That's like four and eight to 11 and one in a, you know, in the first year, if you hired Kalen DeBoer, I think he would have a lot of success. Maybe he's not 11 and one, but he could get there. Like you really just, if you get someone good, USC has all this, you know, the, the inherited advantages around it that you would be good soon. You hired amazing, which USC's not even got close to hiring before. They would hire like okay, or maybe that would be good. But like a Kalen DeBoer, I think he'd kill it at USC. He'd be great. you know. And there's a lot of coaches that would have been really good, way better than what USC had hired in the past. Just don't you – know, you got to stay away from incompetent. Just, just being competent, you can be really good at USC. Now, they went out beyond competent. They went out and got great, and you see the results right away. So I think this – what Lincoln Riley's been able to do in one year – pretty much proves everything that i was saying before like stop hiring people that aren't good at their jobs hire someone that's good at their job and they'll do a good job and because usc is a great job and you can have a lot of success there and usc did so i don't know any thoughts on that coach
2: well i just i'll say it to you this way you, you get what you pay for okay yeah a lot of people said oh my gosh that much money well you're complaining about what you're paying him now no uh does the school uh Did the school have to make a change and uh, show a difference in philosophy and uh, say football is important here and we're going to do whatever is necessary to make football what it was or try to get back as soon as we can? Yes. Well, when you have everybody pulling on the rope the same way, then obviously you have a chance to be successful faster. And he was able to assume his own staff, put together, run his own football program, not being told what to do, and uh, he did it. I mean, it was nice going to a spring football practice last year or a spring game where it wasn't a, a circus. Well, the only thing they missed was the fer- merry-go-rounds. And, and and this in the past 10 years, their spring practice has been a circus. I mean, it uh, they didn't hit anybody. They just ran around eight. They went after it. They played hard. They scrimmaged. They were on the field. They didn't want to waste a day. In some of the past staffs, hell, they went to the Hollywood Holly, Holiday Bowl one year, and hell, they fired all their coaches and coached with GAs, and they only practiced five days. I mean, that's the difference in a, a football terrible. program. Who couldn't see that, Ryan? I mean, who's the administrator in charge that could say, what is going on here? And that's what was going on, and everybody saw it, and you heard me talking about it. You heard me talk about the offense being 31 flavors. You heard me talking about all these different things and nobody was listening, but I was telling you what I was seeing. And now you've gone out and you've done something where you've got an athletic quarterback running the one back offense. That can be the second running back if necessary. You're doing the things that are necessary to be a great football program. And that's what they're doing. And it's USC and they're able to attract great student athletes and, Saturday, they had 1,100 people there as far as parents, family, and athletes to watch that Coliseum with 72,000 people beat Notre Dame. Now, I would say this is a pretty good start on the recruiting as far as for the future. I would think that. Well, you've got to have everything in place to be able to do those type of things. And now they're moving that way.
1: Yeah, We got a question from Jack in New Jersey. Ryan and Coach Hyde, wow, just freaking wow. 11-1 and soundly beating your two rivals who were ranked. Coach Lincoln Riley has put USC football back on the map where they belong. Just goes to show what a good coach can do for a program. Took almost two years for me to get over Coach Hackett PTSD, but I'm over my knucklehead Helton PTSD officially now. My question is for Coach Hyde. What did you think about... Uh, The offense showing multiple new looks so early and often in this game. Personally, I felt it made Notre Dame defense play more cautious. As always, great job by you guys. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Fight on from Jack.
2: Well, Jack, I think it was great. I I mentioned that. They stretched the field. I mean, they ran the reverses, two reverses early. They stretched the field. They made you aware that you're coming back to the backside. Held the backside people. Caleb Williams ran the football. They throw the ball, threw the ball well. I mean, all of a sudden, Notre Dame, wait a minute. You haven't done that before. Wait a minute. They'll land you up to do something. Hey, coach, what do I do on this? And, uh, you know, these things shake up people when they worked all week on a game plan and they haven't seen these type of plays maybe once or twice during the year. They didn't see really a read like Caleb Williams was actually reading on that. I mean, he gave that ball to that guy and then pulled it out, Jones. He pulled it out and ran into the end zone. So, I mean, in the one play, he just pulled it out and tossed it over the wood. He ran it in, but he leaded the guy. There was nobody there. Nobody. And all the time you've heard me talk about, just keep the ball and run outside. There'll be nobody there. And then he ran inside, and obviously that's what they've done, and been able to take advantage of those type of things, and I think that's why they're a better football team on the offensive side of the football. Was they're starting to believe in doing things that you need to do to win. Now I think they should have thrown the ball when they or run the ball when they were down there. I think it was first and goal, and they threw the ball ball three times. And you know, you know how I am when you're down there on the first and goal, and you're on three or four yard line. You need to pass the ball. Don't worry about that for the Heisman Trophy or whatever, win the football game. And uh, the way they were running the football, man, running in there, pounded butts. Uh, they didn't do that, but I mean, you know, that's me sitting there watching a game like you sit there and watch a game and saying what I would have done, which you would have done, what they did is maybe all three different things.
1: Yeah, one last one, Coach, our buddy Dan, class of 1962. He says, hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde, let me start by saying, that if Caleb Williams doesn't win the Heisman Trophy, there's no justice in College Hope No single player in the game means more to his team winning than Caleb Williams. He is a man among boys, not only for his playing ability, but his for his leadership. My question for Coach Hyde is, how should the USC defense, how should USC defense the Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid in a championship game? Three more wins is all we need for a once-in-a-lifetime season that will start the Lincoln-Riley dynasty at USC. Fight on and keep winning, Dan, class of 62."
2: Well, I tell you, um, they've got some pretty good outside guys. Notre Dame didn't have the outside guys, so they're going to cause you a little bit more of a problem as far as de- defensive him. Uh, you know, i put a bigger guy on him. I, I would probably uh, move Bullock over there, Bullock 6'2", uh, a bigger defensive back on him, and then have some help with the linebacker. Uh, I, I, but you got to take him out of the game. You can't allow him to beat you, okay? You just can't allow him to beat you. I would hold him up in the line of scrimmage. I would try try to throw his timing off. I might double-team him on the line of scrimmage inside out and hold him on the line of scrimmage uh, and not even let him to release off the line of scrimmage or at least throw his timing off where when he does get off, he's not in a decent route where maybe uh, Rising's being hustled around and has to try to find him and so on. But I wouldn't let him cut off the line of scrimmage. I wouldn't let him, uh, you know, get, get run free. I just, I just wouldn't let it happen. i put my defensive tackle on him and just knock him back every single time or rush through him, just do a hard rush through him, uh, just not to let Now they're going to put him in a flex position when you do that. They're going to spill him out about five yards or four yards, but when they do that, that hurts a running game. So when they do that, then you got to be more aware of the passing game and know maybe possibly they're going to run the, uh, past the football. Then you play them the same way, but you cover up with the linebacker. You go down and scrape to give the off-tackle hole uh, for the linebacker to cover. But you got to. You can't let him get off the line of scrimmage without knocking him around. You just can't let him get off the line of scrimmage, and you got to bump him and do all the things that are necessary uh, to be able to throw off their timing to him. I, that's what I would do. You're not going to stop him completely, but you got to slow him down. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we'll see. We got to see how healthy he is. Um, you know, that's, uh, it's going to be a big deal. Like, you know, trying to slow down Dalton Kincaid. No, it could be some other, you know, some other player that you don't even think about is going to go off for Utah. I mean, who knows? It's college football. It's always going to be a lot of fun. But knowing what Dalton Kincaid did already, um I mean, you can't expect 16 catches on 16 targets for 234 yards, a couple touchdowns. You just can't expect that again. Um, so try to limit them. You know, maybe eight catches for like 130 yards, which would be huge. But, you know, like half of what he did <laughs> the prior game. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, but, Coach, great stuff. Literally looking forward to short week and uh, heading off to Las Vegas. And uh, next week, get to talk about potentially a Pac-12 championship and playoff team in USC. So that'll be a lot of fun.
2: Well, tell you, we, we'll see what happens here, buddy. It's going to be a great one, uh, uh, and we don't have to wait uh, until Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a great one, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. want to congratulate the team because, really, what do you do next year? I think that one thing Linky Riley did was uh, spoil everyone. I think you could win too fast. I'm not going to say it wasn't a great year. It's fantastic. Uh, but how do you follow up with it? <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, it's something uh, else. Winning uh, is uh, spoiling. Okay, so uh, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Coach, and thanks everyone else out there for listening to the Peristyle podcast. Uh, we're going to try to do some sort of preview show because it's a short week, and we'll be driving to Las Vegas on Thursday. So we're not going to do a ton of vision show Thursday night before the game. We might do like a car cast uh, podcast in the the car on the way to Las Vegas. I'm not sure. We're going to figure out something. We'll put some kind of show up there for you. Uh, But we do appreciate you uh, all listening in and reaching out and sending emails and leaving us reviews and all that stuff. So thank you so much for all of that. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time.